Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour! Today on the Power Hour, episode 220, Ranger Command interview, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, issues 106 through 111 with Melissa Flores, recorded on September 11th, 2023. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the 4 Eyed Radio Network. It's time to Ranger up with your host. I'm Eric, also known as TrekkieB47. Once again, we are welcoming back Melissa Flores, best known in Ranger Nation for her work at Saban Brands and Hasbro, as well as her current work as a writer, producer, consultant, and creative executive with over a decade of experience. Her most recent works include the Massiverse title The Dead Lucky, co-writer of Radiant Pink, Supermassive 2023, and Power Rangers Unlimited Hyperforce, as well as the upcoming Spider-Gwen Smash coming in December. She's also the writer of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which started with issue 101. Welcome back to Ranger Command. Hi, aren't you tired of me yet? Uh, no. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. All right. We'll see. <laughs> Just a lot to catch up on, especially 106 through 110, which is that recharged era going into Darkest Hour, which just released last month. Ramping up with all of these issues, how has seeing the progress of like the story, has it differed from what you imagined at the start of it? Has has things shifted around as you kind of get deeper into planning this whole year coming up of Darkest Hour? Yes and no. I think the end game has always been the same. How we get there has absolutely changed. Um mm-hmm which I think is every story, right? Every story, the way I write it, you know, your beginning, you know, your middle, you know, your end, but you have to leave yourself a certain amount of flexibility to go where the characters take you or to go where inspiration strikes. And thankfully I have an amazing team that works with me and and they're all inspired and and passionate about different things. And we all just listen to each other. And sometimes that, that changes the arc of where the story is supposed to go. What I envision, it all changes. So there's definitely mm-hmm. been some surprises I mean, one of the big ones was I was so resistant and I'll freely admit it to, to more Zordon. Like I did not want more Zordon like I, <laughs> and Daphna's a big Zordon girl. And she constantly was pushing this like winter soldier, like vessel thing. And I was like, Daphna, please. Just, I'm so tired of Zordon. This is Mighty Morphin <laughs> Power Rangers, not Zordon. Like, let me focus on the Rangers. She's like, but it's important. And eventually she won me over. And I think it became a really strong part of the book you know she had an absolute point in in having that be that way and it, but we had to work together because i i will fully admit i was less passionate about that <laughs> and the episode or the episode i'm sorry i work in tv and i know <laughs> the, same time. the issue uh i think it was 108 where we focus on him in the vessel yeah. just became one of my favorite ones to write it was terrifying because it was so different but it came out really really well and it came out I think it was a beautiful, quiet moment in a raging sea of buildup that I think we needed to just take a breath and figure out how we got here and what the point was. 
Yeah. And this is like right in the middle of the issues that we're talking about. And first off, I think Marco Renna did an amazing job coming back to the book for this issue. There's very quiet panels, like almost three pages of panels where the vessel is just walking through everything that's happened in the last two issues, all these battles going on all at once. And it struck me as just so powerful because this whole issue is just absolutely incredible and it really pulls a lot from everything and i think that's what this whole past few issues have been i think you've done a great job like just pulling everything that's come before the past 100 105 issues and kind of weaving the story. So I like the visual callbacks to like the first free comic book day issue, the one that focused on Zordon. I just really liked how this one came together. Thank you. Yeah. It was one of those things where I started writing the book and, and up until that moment, we hadn't had the vessel speak. And I, I didn't want to do that thing where they just all of a sudden they become like Batman where they're like in the night, blah, 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 where there's like all this block of <laughs> caption text. Like it works. In some places, I'm definitely guilty of having done it, especially in the Marvel books, because you need to do a lot of exposition in the Marvel books. But this point, I just I remember reaching out very specifically and saying, can we please not have the vessel speak for the first like five, six pages of the book? I really Mm -hmm. just want to focus on this character that is single mindedly going through this chaos and it just does not matter to him. So you see these different you see him going through Promethea and you see him going past the chaos of, of the Green Ranger against the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And all he wants to do is get to Zordon because Zordon is the only thing he knows. Mm-hmm. And that was very deliberate. And I really love how it came out. It was beautiful. Marco killed that issue. And I'm so grateful yeah. to have him on it. One of the big things with that issue is Zordon having this chance to essentially reclaim his body. Like the vessel is giving him that chance. And When Zordon refuses that, he's basically telling the vessel, now you're your own being. What was the thought behind giving the vessel his own agency in this moment? That's the tragedy of of what ultimately happens that Mm -hmm. um, I think, and truly that's the the crux of good and evil, right? Uh, He never has a choice when it Mm -hmm. comes to Rita and Dark Spectre. He's not given one. He's told specifically, this is your purpose and this is what's going to happen to you. And it was very important to me that that not be the case with Zordon because Zordon believes absolutely in free will. Mm-hmm. He's not a tyrant. And he understands that at the end of the day, all we have are our choices. And it's the choices that we make that make us good and evil, truly, because it is what you, t- you take your information, you make a choice. And whether that choice is a good one or a bad one depends on the reaction that is caused. And I don't think he could live with himself again. Mm -hmm. If he had taken the vessel by force or given him any sort of choice, because at the end of the day, at this point, the vessel isn't him anymore. Yeah. It is a sentient being that is desperately looking for an identity of its own. And Zordon gives him that permission to seek it. And of course, in the ultimate tragedy of it all, that ultimately it doesn't matter because he is possessed by Dark Spectre. But that doesn't mean he never had the choice. And it doesn't mean it may not come back in in an interesting, hopefully surprising way. We'll see. I'm not that far yet. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Going back to 106, there's this talk of the grid navigator. And it's really like there's a couple pages where it's pretty much the Cliff Notes version of like what happened in past Unlimited's and Universe. What was 
your process in trying to choose the most important parts of the lore for this particular part of the story? I mean, truthfully, I, yeah, unlimited, I'm going to be super honest. I think unlimited is brilliant, but I had a really hard time following it. And Mm -hmm. I had to have Daphna like sit there and explain it all to me. (laughs) And um, for universe with like the universe. Yeah. Universe. Like I had a really hard time understanding the lore Mm -hmm. and, um, and I felt very dumb when I was reading it. (laughs) And so I had to really sit there and think about it, but it's such an interesting history and I feel pivotal to what's happening. And I feel like up until this moment, this is what has been building up. We've been talking about more from masters. We've been talking about dark specter, like all these things have been teased, especially in the unlimited stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it had, just wasn't paid off yet. I'm a big believer in the not, the, you know, if you show a gun, you have to shoot it. Right. So <laughs> like the natural conclusion to be able to do that, to, to pull this all together and have that be this, this is when we pull the trigger. Yeah. This is the moment. And I also really wanted to make sure that people understood who maybe not ha- hadn't read that book yet, understood mm-hmm. the building blocks of how we got here. And so it was, it was a challenge to try to do the narrative and not have it be super exposition-y and just have it be like, here's what happened really quick. This is what, this is what's going on. Okay. Let's move on. Cause those books, this is, that's where we got Morphin Masters. That's where we got Emissaries. That's where we got the mm-hmm. Master Witches. That's where we got the origin of Phantom Ranger and how Dark Spectre became interested in the world. It's a lot of lore. Yeah. And we need it all. But I also don't want to force people to go back and read that entire series when there's already a hundred plus books trying to read to get up here anyways. I assume that was just a daunting task to try to get that on like two and a half pages, but I think it was very successful to kind of like that cliff notes version. Thank you. I tried really hard because the thing I hate the most is bad exposition. I remember I watched, I loved Blue Beetle, but that first, the first five minutes, I was like, Poor Susan Sarandon, like, oh my God, could you not have come up with better dialogue for this queen? Like, it just made no sense. Quick spoilers for Blue Beetle if you haven't seen it. I promise it's not going to affect your whole point of the movie. But the opening is like, they're looking for the scarab, which is, you know, the origin of Blue Beetle's powers. And you have Susan Sarandon show up and she's like, how are we doing? He's like, yes, we're fine. We have been digging since two weeks ago, which is when we found it. And I'm like, she would have freaking known that. (laughs) why would you the only reason that line is in there is because you need to tell the audience that you've been digging in there for two weeks like she would have known that you could have found another way to say that did did not make you want to like die (laughs) and then like right after that she's like good i've been waiting 15 years for this moment and i'm not going to wait a second longer and i'm like yeah (laughs) okay Yeah, that's that's not there for you because he would have known that because he's worked with you for 15 years. (laughs) I'm not the world's best writer by any means, and I'm sure I'm guilty of that myself. But I mean, it really took me out of the movie in the first five minutes where I was just Mm. like, wow, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of why I'm always careful with exposition because I just for sure. I, I hate those moments where it just takes you out because you have to sit there and be like, okay, and here's where we all are. Let's talk about all this. Before I move on from issue 106, I, I want to point out there are some great like one-on-one conversations here, like the heart-to-heart with Trini and Kim on Safe Haven, the dialogue between Grace and Lord Zed. And especially when Tommy visits Jason and tries to get some advice, like some leadership Mm -hmm. advice, and those conversations and those themes build in the next couple of issues, 
first off, I want to say the Jason and Tommy, where they say, oh, I miss you, man. Me too. Yeah. That, I mean, with the passing of Jason David Frank last year, I mean, that it took on a whole new meaning. So yeah. was that scene kind of like a little tribute to him? Yeah, absolutely. I I, I wasn't best friends with the Jason David Frank, but, you know, mm-hmm. we worked together for close to five years and I got to know him pretty well. And and genuinely, look, he drove me crazy sometimes. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. You know, he's, he's a polarizing figure and he has uh, he had an, an incredible personality. And, and there was there was a lot, a lot to Jason. But at the end of the day, I loved him so dearly. And and um, it really hurt my heart. And it still hurts my heart to know that he's gone. And and it, I found out the day and and mm-hmm. it was really to sit with that in my heart and I'm, I'm very sensitive to people doing that because um, my girlfriend's a soldier and deals with PTSD and, and we've had some friends that we've lost that way. And yeah, it really hurt me really, really badly, especially because I, I hadn't been close to him in the last couple of years and, and it was nobody's fault, but my own, like sure. I should have reached out and I didn't. And the last, the last text I have from him was on Thanksgiving, like the year before saying, you know, I happy Thanksgiving. I'm glad we're friends. And I just, Oh, it's just, it's not about me, right? None of this yeah. is about me. I can't even imagine the pain that the family is going through and these people that have known him for so much longer, but I, I loved him for as long as I knew him and I yeah. miss him even now. And to go from that to having to write this and to write my friend, and it was really hard. It was sure. really hard. And I know it's Jason isn't Tommy and Tommy isn't Jason. Jason, Tommy is a character that Jason played, but just sit there and, and think about it. This scene just came out of that, of my grief mm. and of missing him. It, this one and the anniversary story. Yeah. In the anniversary special, the wedding of Tommy Cat. Those are how I processed my grief. And, and I'm still processing it a little bit. But um, when Jason said, I, or Tommy said, I miss you. And Jason said that back. That was, that was me very much speaking to my friend who mm. I miss every day. And um and it feels it feels silly because again, I'm not I'm not his family, and I wasn't even a particularly close friend. But I we worked together so much, and and he was just oh, I loved him, and it, it hurts my heart. Yeah. Um, but I'm so thankful for the times that we had him, and and I'm thankful that I get to contribute to his legacy at least a little bit by these books. So yeah, that was definitely inspired by that for sure. And I I think. I mean, I, I can't speak for other people or other fans that, that read the comic, but for me, like I had to take a step back after reading that a little bit. And, but I think it's a great tribute and I don't want to deviate too far from it, but I, I really think the 30th anniversary story that you did was just such a great summary of the character those in-between moments, which we never got to see, especially as, as a father and, you know, he's holding JJ in his arms and like, do I become a ranger? You know, do I still do what I need to do? And how do I balance that with my son? And that kind of hit for me too. And then I just want to commend you on, on that story too, because I think it did a really amazing job in eight short pages. Thank you. I I really took that to heart and and seriously, when they asked me to write an anniversary special and they asked me if I wanted to make it Tommy focused, one of the things I absolutely wanted to do was focus on the Tommy and cat relationship because I feel like it's very underserved. And and I get, I get why I get that Tommy and Kimberly is like everybody's original OTP Mm -hmm. and, and it's hard to move on from that. But 
at the end of the day in canon, Tommy and Kat have spent their lifetimes together. And I feel like we don't appreciate that enough, at least in my opinion. And, and I really wanted to see what that looked like for, Mm -hmm. especially for Kat. Yeah. Who um, is not a ranger anymore. Yeah, and just comes back when she has to, but she's a mother and a wife and has so many other things that she does. And unfortunately, I don't have Jason to turn to, but I, I do have Catherine. Mm. And so I was able to text Catherine. She's at this point, we're good friends and and she's this beautiful, kind, amazing woman. And so I was able to reach out to her and and I asked her, it's what's your like, what was your dream? for Kat after she left Turbo. Like if she could do anything, what would you have her do? Mm-hmm. Like where would she go to school? What would she do with her life? And she was so lovely with her time and really gave like thought about it and gave me these answers that were just like, well, I, I'd love to see her go back to Sydney. I'd love to see her do something that's not fighting with Rangers, but still helping people. And we were talking mm-hmm. about what that could be and if she would have her own foundation. And she was so generous with with her thoughts. And I'm so thankful and grateful for that because I, I truly wanted to do this. It's only eight pages. You can only do so much. Sure. But I really wanted to explore what that family looks like and what that means for somebody like Tommy, who mm-hmm. is seen as the world's or the, the best ranger that ever lived, right? Well, how did he become that? And what does that mean? And who keeps him grounded and when, why? And I didn't want it to be like the woman behind the man. Like, I didn't want that. Sure. I wanted it to be very much like this is a team. They know each other. They accept each other. Mm-hmm. And they they both have flaws, you know. He goes running off to be a ranger and leaves her with the kid, and then she has to deal with it. And you kind of saw a little bit of once and always, where she's like, yeah. "Oh, I don't want to tell my son that my, his dad's not coming home." <laughs> and and I thought that was such a significant line in Once and Always. Um, mm-hmm. You don't. I feel like I would have loved to see much more of that. Sure. Uh, to see much more of of her dealing with the fact that he just runs off and is a ranger <laughs> forever, and it, it's like. A husband going to war all the time and there's no respite from it. And you kind of just have to deal with sometimes he might not come home. And I, the great thing about it is she, she's a badass and be like, okay, let me go get him. Exactly. <laughs> Obviously she has a very close friend group of Rangers that include yeah. Nikia and Karen. And I, I would have loved to include Aaron somewhere, but it made sense to me that Aisha and Tanya would be her bridesmaids. Yeah. And given that Aisha's back, for some reason in our timeline. And once and always, it's not explained at all. I'm like, well, let me just explain that she came back. She could just come back. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I got to do those that little bit of stuff as a tribute to Jason. I, I included his brother and, uh, and mm. it's that sort of thing. There's little details that really meant a lot to me. And, and if you notice, it's kind of got a little bit of a cadence to it. Every other page ends in a kiss. And, and that was very on purpose. Like I just really wanted. It's like the stages of, of their relationship yeah. of their life. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. It was, it was funny to me that people were like hung up on his hair because <laughs> like, his hair should be short at this time. It's like, it's a comic guys. <laughs> just let Henry have fun. He likes drying Tommy with long hair. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> The really pivotal page turn end reveal of 106 is Lord Zed morphing into the Z Ranger. Can you tell me a little bit how that came about? What was the inspiration behind that? And I think it's a really cool design. I I like that instead of just his regular muscles, it's almost like a muscle suit, which is even more gross than just, it just, it feels even more. (laughs) Yeah. The suit's designed by Dan Mora. 
who's nice. lovely. And we're so, I'm so thankful that he's able to do that for us, even while he's running around being super busy with DC. It was one of those things where it just seemed again, like a natural progression to the story. Um, mm-hmm. If you really think about Lord Zed and his ego as he was, he's not strong enough to defeat mistress mm-hmm. vile. And there is a very complex, complicated relationship between the two of them. You know, we know eventually they're going to be together mm-hmm. romantically. And we know eventually she's going to cast a spell on him, but that spell goes away and he still loves her. So it can't come from nowhere. Yeah. That love could very easily turn to hate if you don't understand it, especially for somebody that's not quite in tune with his feelings like Zed. So when we open in 101, he gets his ass kicked (laughs) (laughs) and he almost dies and he would have died were it not for Rangers. He is in a very weak state and he's got a lot of time to to kind of stew about it and get really angry about it and and get really vengeful about it. And so at the end of the day, he just wants revenge as it is. He knows he's no match for her. So mm-hmm. what do you do? You power up. And the only thing he had in his like that was in his possession that he knew about was that thing that he planted in the command center that he could use to do that. So, I mean, the ends justify the means, you know, a ranger, uh, the morphine grid is not good or evil. You know, he can't, right. it's not like uh, he can just, he's going to turn into a ranger suddenly be good, but he's a pragmatic fellow. And if he can have the power to defeat her, he'll take it. And mm-hmm. and that's kind of where that came from. And then of course, you know, there's the coolness of being able to make that a ranger. That's, that's always yeah. fun, but the story has to justify it. Right. And so, that's where that came from. It was one of those things where it's like, I'm going to do anything and everything I can to get my revenge. That must have been a nice thing to have just kind of like one of those dangling plot lines that that Ryan left behind. And I thought it was a it was a cool way because there was even that note. It's like, hey, remember Power Rangers 15? Go back to it. Yeah. So I, I just really like how how that I don't want to say wrapped up because that story's not over, but it justified that power set, uh, which is really cool. That yeah, he didn't even do that. It drove me nuts. I was reading how I was reading the run to prepare <laughs> right. myself for this, and all of a sudden I get here. Like, there's two things that really boggled me. One was in Mighty Morphin when the moon just straight up disappeared, and I'm like, where the where the, where did it go? And then the second one was he just put something in the command center and then never said what he did. And I was like, so I texted him, and I was like, hey, dude, what's 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 with this? And he's like, oh, come on thing problem (laughs) out. I was like, oh well let's figure out what to do with this. And um I feel like executed that better than the moon coming. (laughs) 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 I don't know what you're trying to do with the moon, Matt, but the moon's back. So but at least this one I felt like I did it uh I did it a little a little cleaner where uh Mm -hmm. easy not to morph. We just get this great moment where Matt as the green Ranger with all these evil putties crashes the ship half into the uh, juice bar. This is continuing that relationship with Jason and Tommy, that story. And then even though Jason is not a Ranger at this moment, he leaps in and basically gets knocked unconscious by Matt. And I just, I love that Jason still has that mentality, but we just get this epic fight. That's just brutal because Billy teleports in 
and Matt doesn't even wait around before. Like yeah. it's more fa- like, no, screw that. And, and you just see this amazing panel of like Billy halfway morphing, getting struck. So I know this is like basically your version of, of green with evil, but your twist on it with like Matt, just trying to get into their psyche. Like what, what's the inspiration behind making Matt almost a darker green ranger than Tommy was. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not trying to compare it. Uh, oh, sure, they're, sure. Own, they're both on, on their own individual, individual journeys. A lot of this book, I don't know if you've noticed it's like super intentional is an homage to where we started, right? This yeah. whole idea that, that we're always cyclical, we go in circles. And so we start mighty more from power Rangers uh, at the end of the green ranger arc and with Rita. So it makes sense that we have a green ranger arc and we have Rita here. And for Matt and Tommy, I wanted this to be more about them because Tommy, mm-hmm. it's a way to show how far Tommy has come. Right. He was dealing with so much PTSD and so much trauma at the beginning of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. He literally had a phantom Rita following him because he couldn't get her out of his head. Mm-hmm. And to go from where he was then to where he is now, he's in such a different place. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I want him to be able to see how far he's come, especially right now where he's having trouble with Kimberly. And I also want to explore Matt. I feel like Matt has such an interesting story in that Mm -hmm. he wasn't chosen. He was chosen by somebody else forever an outsider. And this is what that's about. He was finally in a place where he was starting to feel a little more included. And Rita came in and damaged him so terribly. And he doesn't have the support that Tommy did. Right. And it, it will affect him differently. So it's definitely a different take on it, but it definitely was meant to be an homage to the original way we started this, but also definitely character based because mm-hmm. we wanted them both to to go through things. And I think you, you learn best when you see the mirror of how far you've come. Yeah. Also with this issue, whole time, the battle in Promethea, you've got Grace and and Tarona trying to escape. I mean, it literally feels like the worst escape room on the planet, (laughs) but the reveal that Zed finds out and Zed's reveal that the vessel is Zordon. I just thought it was really cool. (laughs) It was a cool reveal. Yeah, that was definitely, it was my like horror issue. I really wanted to feel the hopelessness of what's happening and really put a a light on how powerful these beings are compared to a normal person. I feel like because the Power Rangers are constantly fighting against them, you don't see Mm -hmm. that the magnitude of how powerful these beings are does not land as much as it should because Power Rangers are powered up, but a regular person stands zero chance against these literal monsters (laughs) like these dark dark powerful beings and if you're trapped in a hallway with these incredible supernatural gods like what is the hope there's no way out you're not getting out and again a testament to zed knowing that because he went and became a power ranger just to be able to hold his own against rita and he still they just came to a stalemate they didn't actually like neither one of them won and so that should tell you one how powerful they both are, but two that uh, yeah, humans don't stand a chance. Exactly. Toronto was lucky to get out of there alive. So 108, there was that vessel issue which we already talked about, but 107 ends with 
Draken just kind of sauntering into the base. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think Safe Haven's security is, is kind of lax. But again, they were dealing with Alpha One, which I just love the whole thing. Like, he gets defeated kind of early on in this, and he's just like a head talking to Z. But basically, it was a two-month gap between this finale of Draken Free and Kia and going back to that, which leads into the unlimited for coinless. So what was the planning like for this particular moment to set up another writer doing the coinless? And um, that was always going to be the case. Like, look, I'm a greedy <laughs> and I'll write them all, but it's not realistic. And, and I like the idea of bringing somebody else in to do mm -hmm. something cool and different. And again, I was obsessed with horror at the moment and I really wanted a horror take. And Draken, if you read between the lines, and I haven't put a lot of this in there, but I'll, I'll explain it. Rita, this whole time has been gathering generals and recruiting generals and either forcing them to or paying them off with favors yeah. to serve her in her army. And you see her recruit Chloe's father in Hyperforce. You see her recruit Dane. You see her recruit the Death Ranger. And Draken was one of those recruited under force. But Draken, as we all know, bows to no one. Yep. And at the end of the day, he is a survivor. And that doesn't mean he's not smart. And he doesn't understand that if she comes close to getting what she wants and Dark Spectre enters, they're all screwed. And so rather than sit there and, and when he knows he has no chance and rather than be in Minion, he's like, I will head back to the coinless world and I will be the the king of my own fiefdom and try to hold out there as much as I could because there I have support. I am, you know, I am yeah. somebody. What, what happens when he gets there is the question, right? And and mm -hmm. we know that that place has gone to hell, but he doesn't. And there's a specific journey and purpose in that. It pays off in our run. I can't speak too, too much. That's actually what sure. I'm writing now. It's a script I'm writing now, but it sets up a very important turn for not just him, but uh, the Dragon Rangers because they live a different, very different reality than we do. And that has forced them to make very different choices and how those choices come together and what happens and, and their own morality directly affects the Rangers of this world because now they're here. Yeah. And so I wanted somebody to take that and, and really tell it in the most horrific way possible, but still speak to Ranger stuff. And I've been a fan of Adam Cesare for years or Caesar. I don't, I don't know how to say, I'm sorry, Adam. I don't know how to say your last name, which is terrible because I should, but I've been a fan of his for years. I, I mm -hmm. love his stuff. I love how he's so dedicated to horror. And he was the first person I thought of to take that on. And thankfully my editor agreed, Allison, and he jumped on board just the same way. Like it was a no brainer to be like, Megan's going to yeah. do hyper force with me. Same with Adam. I'm thankful that I have worked with some amazing people. And he was just one of those people I worked with very briefly for a minute. Mm -hmm. And I've always been a fan and it worked out and he killed it. Yeah, he really did. That actually goes to one of our guys on the comic squadron who uh, reviews the comics with me, Tyler MC. He had a question that ties into the horror aspect that you're talking about. He asked, this next arc seems to have some horror elements in it. Are there any movies or other horror media that inspires your writing? Me specifically, everything. I'm not, I don't have like one movie that I'm just like, oh, I know that the the hallway scenes and all that was very, very much inspired by Resident Evil, the original movie. Oh, when they're yeah. stuck underneath. Then you have all those like, that was very inspired by that. In terms of like the um, quote unquote zombie element that I swear it's not a zombie book. Like those right. are just like variant artists. Like those are variants <laughs> that people just were like, 
it's kind of like zombies. They're like zombies. And you know, I mean, it's a cool cover. I'm not going to sure. judge anybody that. But I, definitely, <laughs> I saw that cover. I was like, wait, what? And then all of a sudden, like the title was like, zombies are coming. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't people being like, why are we doing zombies? That's not Rangers. I'm like, well, crap. Everybody, shh. I promise it's okay. Whatever. Just read it when it comes. I promise you it's not going to be like, <laughs> I just like horror. I, I like different aspects of horror. I like different aspects of sci-fi. I feel like mm-hmm. playing different genres is what keeps things interesting. And, you know, Ryan is a big Trekkie and you saw a lot of the exploration stuff in Power Rangers. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you see a lot of what inspires Kyle before in what he was doing. And this take, given that we're going deeper and darker, it makes sense to do something horror related. You know, Cabin in the Woods is one of my favorite horror films. Yeah. Because it, it balances horror and comedy so freaking well without the over the top gore. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to do turn Power Rangers into a horror show. I'm not trying to do a horror movie. I mean, that's that's what the coin list was for. And I gave that to Adam because he's a master at that. I am just trying to relay the desperation that these kids must feel after a hundred issues of doing the same fight over and over again in a relatively short amount of time and never getting a freaking break. They must mm-hmm. be tired. Speaking of that, we have in 109 this, you know, amazing sequence with all the Rangers trying to battle Matt. And a really intense fight between Aisha and Matt. And we talked about like the crush uh, she had and all of that. And she's like desperately trying to reach out to him. And he does that like brief massless moment. He's like, you know, I, I like this. I like you. And again, trying to get into his head, even though they never dated and they never, you know, they never had that connection like Kim and, and Tommy did. What is the driving force that Matt just continues just to get under all of their skin? I feel like he's he's got no filter now, and he's saying all of his emotions, whether there's truth to it or or not. He's not the nice guy right now, and I don't think he has to be, right? Yeah. So he's going to say things that hurts their feelings because, you know what? They hurt his feelings. Yeah. And uh, and he swallowed it for a really long time. He was the bigger guy. He got over it because he had to. But that doesn't mean he's not going to be in his feelings about it. (laughs) (laughs) They took that filter off. He's going to get to say whatever the hell he wants. And if it gets to hurt them, all is the better. Exactly. What would you do if that was your case? You know, if you were tortured for two weeks, you you sacrificed yourself literally. So your old girlfriend's new boyfriend could live (laughs) and your mind has been screwed and you've been tortured for weeks. And then you come back and it looks like they're, they're the same. Nothing's changed. Look at them. Whoop de doo. Glad to see like nothing changed when I was gone. Cool. Good for you. He can be petty. I'll allow it. But I, I like how this all culminates when, you know, they're kind of out of options and they pull one of the coolest tricks uh, mm-hmm. out of the original uh, Green Ranger playbook. They form the Megazord with the dragon. Yeah, I have fun with that. I still like that there's that connection that they can still do that, even though it's it's under his control. It was just such a great fight. Yeah, it, it was just a fun way to do it. Yeah, I had... um I really liked that. And it was kind of inspired by, again, the original run where Green yeah. Ranger shows up in their Megazord and just tears things up. And I'm like, well, what would be the opposite of that? If they just formed the Megazord around him and like trapped him. The sequence too of like Billy teleporting in, teleporting out, Tommy's right there. They smash it and it it still doesn't mean anything. It's just, 
we get that brief moment of him demorphing and I almost feel like we're seeing this universe's Draken moment where they reached out and he kind of slapped it away and he's still evil. I'm glad you caught that. That was, again, this this is all about homages. Yeah. And that one defining moment that made Draken was he the spell was broken and he still ran away. They're not the same person. And I think ultimately sure. at the end of the day, Matt's still a good guy, but there's a lot of trauma involved there. And again, he's not Tommy. You know, he doesn't, he wasn't forged in fire like Tommy was. He was a guy that had a relatively good life Mm -hmm. and a relatively easy life until the Power Rangers came to town. You know, Tommy was born a fighter. He was raised on the streets, basically, without a home and without a family. He's a different guy. And so they're going to react to this trauma very differently. Mm-hmm. you're going to see how that comes through, but he's going to find support. And and I, I wouldn't give up on Matt just yet, but he's definitely a conflicted guy. And he's not just under Rita Repulsa's spell. He's under Mistress Vile's spell. Yeah. And she's, her magic is a hell of a lot darker and a hell of a lot more powerful. And if it lingered in Tommy, like how is it going to linger in Matt? PTSD is a hell of a thing, right? And, mm. and, and it's not just going to go away just because a sword got cut in half. Right. Issue 110 is the prelude to Darkest Hour. It's essentially the invasion of Safe Haven. This is where it all goes to crap. When planning out just this whole run, it is very action-based. How do you, as a writer, try to balance these intense action scenes with the character moments? I don't know. I feel like I've been doing it for so long. It's kind of just thing I do because I was producer for, <laughs> and I mean, I've been writing a really long time. I, just because it wasn't professionally doesn't mean I wasn't developing and, and doing right. all of that. I mean, you learn the formula, I think, or you try to, and this is a Power Rangers book. So if you come into Power Rangers, you expect a decent amount of action in every issue. It's rare that I can get away with no action. Um, mm-hmm. I think Marco ran the, the 108 was probably the least action focused one so far and maybe 104, but 104 was pure world, world building. Yeah. And so, and those are always meant to be different, right? These different ones with different artists they are meant to be a little different to kind of disrupt the pace. But when you're, if you watch Power Rangers, you know what you're getting, you're getting fights with robots and, and you're getting morphing and powers. And so for me, the challenge is I want to keep those character moments right now. My particular challenge is the the amount of characters in the book and serving each one and making sure that we're not dropping one and making sure that, Hey, we haven't seen Jason in five issues. Is he okay? Last time we saw him, he was knocked out. What happened to him? That kind of stuff. We want to make sure that we're moving the stories forward. Even if, you know, they get a two second focus, that at least we give them a reason. And there's some people that are going to be on the back burner for sure. And At the moment, Adam and Rocky are probably the ones that suffer the most. That doesn't mean I don't have plans for them in the future. They're going to get their time. It's just right now we're building a lot of other stories and and it's difficult to manage a bunch of different characters. And, and same with Bulk and Skull. Like I'm trying when I get to, but there's just, <laughs> yeah. Kimberly is dealing with a lot where right now we're kind of really focused on Billy because Billy was kind of on the back burner a little bit and now he's dealing with stuff. And, and so we'll see. Like it, It's sure. really just making sure every fight serves a story in some mm-hmm. case and moves the action forward. That has always been like the one-on-one of, of fight scenes. Like you, you should not have a fight scene just to have a fight scene, every fight scene that you write. And this is, you know, from teachers, like you have to move the story forward. If a scene is there just to be a scene, doesn't reveal anything about the character, doesn't do it. Like, there's no point. Mm-hmm. 
Now, when Hyperforce came out and it ended, there was a tease with the Death Ranger and the possessed Wild Force Rangers, and you start to see them in this issue. Any particular reason you chose Wild Force for these captured Rangers? I really love Allison. (laughs) (laughs) And I wanted Taylor in the book. Yes. I'm a petty girl sometimes. Sometimes I just love a person and I want their character in the book. And and I, I've loved Taylor for a really long time. And I feel like Wild Force doesn't get enough love. And I thought it would be fun. You know, we we've seen we've seen other seasons. Why not Wild Force? Let's give them a little bit of attention. Heck yeah. No, I was right there with you. As soon as I saw, you know, Taylor in the book, I was like, yes, yes, let's go. (laughs) She's so good. I love Taylor. I love Allison. She is a genuine sweetheart. And I'm so sad that she moved so far away, but you know, good for her. (laughs) This whole attack on safe Haven is a misdirect. Mistress Vile is in the Bermuda triangle opening earth's master arch with the grid navigator. And throughout these, these whole issues, I just love how far grace keeps pushing mistress vile. She always has a quip and she was a ranger, but she's not anymore. And and she really gets tossed around in, in this arc, like with the plan with, with grace now that she's not really, I want to say not in the spotlight, but it's, it's almost like grace's moment where she's not in control anymore. Is that kind of diving into her character of, cause I don't know, like I, I read one eleven, and I'm still like, is grace dead? Yes. Grace is dead. Okay. Yeah. Grace is dead. There is zero, zero mystery about it. She has died. I saw the preview for one twelve, and then with Billy in, in the grid and then you see Grace's spirit. I'm like, oh no, she's, she's gone. She's dead. Her breaks my heart. I love Grace. Yeah. It's called the darkest hour. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. Very dark to happen. And I think Grace knew what was going to happen the minute she got captured. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't survive that kind of situation. And she knew the minute she got brought back by the vessel, she's not surviving this. Mm-hmm. And so everything that she was doing up until that moment was just trying to minimize the collateral damage when it was with Matt. And you see it happening in, in 12 too, where she's, she's doing everything she can to, to screw with Rita, not to save her own life, but right. to maybe just put doubts in the same way too. It's like, I, okay. Like this is how I'm okay. This is what's going to happen. Well, like, I'm not going to make it easy for you. Like, screw you. Here's what I think of you and your stupid daddy issues that you don't (laughs) think anybody else can see. Like, come on, lady. Like, I know exactly what this looks like. You can't fool me. I'm freaking, I'm 60 something years old, however old she is. You know, like I, like you're a freaking child. What the hell is wrong with you? And she's not, she's obviously a lot older than crazy. Like mentally, like it's pretty easy to see how broken Rita is and what she's trying to do. That ties all the way back to the opening flashback in 106, because even Zed's like, you're doing this for your dad? Get away from him. So I I just, I really appreciate that, that thread throughout all of this. R.E.P. Grace, I loved you. I had to tell Brian. (laughs) (laughs) I had to tell Kyle. 110 has that amazing spell. The darkest hour has begun. I just think that this buildup has been just such a great, like, it feels like the stakes are even past Shattered Grid. And I know Shattered Grid was, you know, such a huge event, but 
just everything leading up in the past year to have this like year of buildup. And then we have a year of this event and there's so many players on the table. Like you said, we've got, we've got hyper force. We got wild force. I, I just think it really feels like a 30th anniversary event. And I just want to congratulate you. Cause I, I know there's still a lot to go, but just from even one eleven, it's, I think it's a really kick start to all of this. Thank you. I, I'm trying. Like the minute they said, like we want this to be bigger than Shattered Grid, I'm like, you're absolutely insane because nobody yeah. will be able to top Shattered Grid. It's an apps. Like I don't want to do that. Are you kidding? Like you're putting me in an impossible situation here. I'm not trying to top Shattered Grid for sure. Like that yeah. was such a special book, and Kyle delivered it so well, and so did Ryan. And I'm not trying to do anything like that at all. I am just trying to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Power Rangers in a meaningful way. And this, I could not have done were it not for everything they did to build those blocks. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm literally just taking what they did and, and paying it off in my own way. So I'm hoping that people like it. I have imposter syndrome, literally every script. It is utter hell sometimes to think that I like, I'm like, this is crap. And then I'll send it to Allison. She's like, actually, this is really good. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I have zero context for what's good at this point. It's just me trying to do, do my job and try to like, you know, not like get people too mad at me, but, um, but it really means a lot. And, and the support means a lot from everybody. And I really, truly am trying my best. I want to honor the anniversary of Power Rangers. I know that it's so special to so many people. And I know that some people might be a little more disappointed in the execution of how some of these anniversary initiatives have gone sure. out or the lack of them. And so um, I don't want them to feel that way about this. I want them to feel at least that we, we cared and we were doing everything we can to to celebrate rangers and i'm sure i'm not the only one that feels that way you know i mean the the cosmic fury people have put their heart and soul into that show and mm -hmm. excited to see it but this is my show and i love this brand and, and i really want the fans to feel that love from me i also have like kind of one last question to, to sum up the characters and and that's from you know another one of my co-hosts on these comic reviews uh, dr ben he said when you're writing these characters after you've known them so long on the brand, um, just in general, did you feel like you were having them say or do things that you weren't used to them saying or doing, or how have you come to terms, I guess, in, in terms of the, the characters, this evolution of departing away from what the fans have known them for so long in like the TV show or whatever. I guess this is one of those benefits of fan fiction where uh, you're used to writing a person as like, quote unquote, in character, but still adding your own canon to it. And so I've never felt that I've gotten them wrong. I've always felt that whatever decisions they make are the character leading the story and not the other way around. And so, you know, Tommy and Kimberly having these fights right now, it just feels natural that this would happen given what has happened to them. Aisha, we never got to see her really in love, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, she's a fierce, passionate woman. I feel like this is how she would act in this kind of situation. And same with Billy, like we're seeing Billy start to lose it a little bit and we're starting to sure. see a little bit of a violent streak in him. Um, but given the circumstances, like how can you not like he's a kid and he like his mentor has been killed and like there's a lot to process and there's a lot going on and, and you're not a perfect person. And so I think people dismiss that Billy could lose his temper, but 
I think yeah. every, anybody would in that situation, especially somebody that um, like Grace, who meant so much to him. So you're going to keep seeing stuff like that. They're going to make decisions. You know, Kimberly's decision to to flaunt the rules and be a little bit of a rebel. I mean, that's that's Kimberly. I feel like that's always been a little bit of Kimberly. For sure. Yeah, there's a reason why her and Billy were the Power Ranger punks. So. <laughs> that's that's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. They're all in different situations. I mean, you're going to also see that yeah. Zach and Trini experiencing what they've experienced and forced to grow up in a different kind of way. They're a little bit more mature about what's happening and a little bit more, they're more focused on, on what's happening with themselves and with the Omegas and Trini struggling with the concept of leadership. I think that's just such a great balance to what everything Tommy has been going through in this arc as well. Trying to rely on Jason and Trini's leaning a bit more into Zach, not only for their relationship, but between her and Kim as well. So I just like the parallels of that leadership, like questioning the leadership. Yeah, I think I'll support anybody. I think Trini's going to be a very different leader than Jason was. And mm-hmm. um, Kimberly's also struggling with leadership. It's one of those situations where she's not picked to it. It's just something that happens to her. And it just makes sense given what's happening. I think Billy could is a very capable leader, but that's not what he wants to do. He's mm-hmm. never been the guy that wants to lead. He wants to be the guy that has the time to sit in the lab and like think of cool things to do. And a leader does not have that time. But Kimberly, I think, has that in her. And Trini does in a different way as well. But it is not something that I think comes naturally to everybody. It is something that you grow into. And I feel like that's what's happening to them both. Like Tommy, naturally a leader. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jason, naturally a leader. But there's other people that through pure force of character growth, they are put in that position and are forced it kind of into it. And it doesn't feel like a glove that'll fit until they fill it out. Yeah, absolutely. And issue 112 is is coming out on uh, September 27th. It looks like it's going to be another like kind of sidestep story, much like how 108 was, especially with Hendry coming back. Uh, for this issue. I'm really excited. I just saw Billy in the morphing grid and I was like geeking out. Like, (laughs) Melissa, I I wanted to just thank you for your time so much. And thanks for coming on the show. Do you have any upcoming uh, appearances in convention land or or anything like that? Uh, Yeah, I'm planning on New York Comic Con. I need to book my flights. Gotta help me. Planning on going to New York Comic Con in late October. And then I'll be at LA Comic Con in December. Awesome. At the time of this episode's release, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers issue 112 will release on September 27th. You can also find Dead Lucky number nine in shops on the same day, which is crazy because I just checked the, the release date on, on previews. Um, so you can definitely get like a, a double dose of uh, Melissa's writing with the Dead Lucky and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers issue 112, which is the second part the second chapter of the darkest hour. And I think Kyle announced this just last week. Uh, there will be a massive verse meetup at NYCC on Friday, October 13th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern at Barcade. I will also be at an Oni press panel, I believe on Saturday, possibly talking about something cool. I can't talk about that. Melissa, just thank you so much again for, for being on Ranger Command. It's always a pleasure to have you on talking about the comics and uh, I know personally, I'm really excited for what's to come in uh, Darkest Hour and uh, I saw that, like I said, I saw that tease for 112 and I'm like, all right, Billy focus. Here we go. <laughs>
Yeah, it'll be fun. I originally pitched this one as the triple date from hell. <laughs> so that's all I'll say about that. Okay. Well, Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. We're on Twitter at rangercommandph and Facebook and Instagram at rangercommandpowerhour, all one word. Uh, once again, you can check out all the links to the show at linktr.ee slash rangercommandph. Until next time, we'll see you on the next Ranger Command Power Hour. Bye, everyone. Can you hear my cat? No, I I can't. Okay, good, because he's right behind me. Being little, <laughs> like, he's just like, hey, um, I literally got you. I don't know if you can see him. He, there oh, he is. Aw. He's like, I literally got him a companion, and they're both just staring at me like, you have to play with me, not her. <laughs> not her. It's you. Um, Sorry. Sorry. Uh, no, I lost sorry. the thread. <laughs> we were talking about, you really can't hear my cat? <laughs> no, I really can't. Thank God. He's loud. Okay, I'm sorry. I know <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm screwing up your editing so bad. I am so sorry. Can you give me a second? Yeah, sure. Not you. Oh. Not you. <laughs> him. He's literally, I don't know how you don't hear him. I'm very glad you don't. But he's I, I really don't. Literally yowling. Oh my gosh. Me. That's a uh, really good mic. <laughs> thank God. Thank God. I, I'm actually kind of sad because I feel like you think I'm making this up, but I promise I'm not. It's so distracting. I believe it. Fine. Let me pause for editing. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphin Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at Ranger Command PH. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at Ranger Command Power Hour. Ranger Command is also on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash Ranger Command PH to learn more. Thanks for listening.